Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Start of Something New, a DCOM podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me, as always, is my co-host, who has never built a time machine. Kate, unfortunately, maybe one day. Maybe one day, but if it's anything like in this movie, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. And this is the podcast in which we review every single Disney Channel original movie all the way from Under Wraps to Zombies 3. And this is Season 2, Episode 8, in which we'll be discussing the 32nd Disney Channel original movie, The Poof Point. But before we do that, Kate, how have you been since our last recording? Happy New Year! Happy New Year, Jake. I have been. <laughs> um, I was really hoping for a restful break. Um but as you know, we got together um, for, for lunch one day, and very shortly thereafter, I had COVID exposure. And I'm very thankful um, that I did not end up contracting COVID. Yay, booster. Um, got that negative PCR since, you know, um, and I also had what I presume to have been the Delta variant back in, like, September, late August, early September. Um, but that being said... Um, other than that, uh, also canceled a cruise that I was supposed to go on. Um, and then I've been very, very weighed down with uh, just trying to figure out what my life will be after after I graduate, um, because I'm graduating with my master's in May, which is just yay. very scary. Yeah, yay for kind of. Um but yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit stressful. But that being said, I'm super, super grateful for some of the restful time that I have had over this winter vacation. Um, as you know, I got to go to a couple of the Orlando theme parks again because I'm down here uh, with my parents. And I got to see a friend of mine who I haven't seen in over three years who I met as a study abroad student in the UK. Uh, She is actually from Ecuador and she got her bachelor's degree in the UK, uh, did the entire degree there and lived there for four years. And so she has family who lives in Florida. And so she was visiting them and I got to see her uh, and it was, it was great. So um, long story short, it's been a little bit stressful, but also some, some good times mixed in there. How about you, Jake? I'm probably sure I had a bit more of a restful break than you did, but that's just because I didn't do I didn't do any traveling during it. The most I did was go out to meet you for lunch. Other than that, I just, you know went to work and that's it. And um, you know it was a nice break. I had a good Christmas. We saw each other in person for a little bit. Um, I also went and saw the Spider-Man No Way Home with my other friend, oh, and that was really good. Yeah, and also, um, uh, I want to say, not, not not exactly when it came out on Christmas Eve, but at some point, I want to say, like, in the last week now, I, I watched Encanto when it dropped on Disney+. Plus. That is also a good movie. I, sh- I forgot to bring that up, too. I also did that. Yeah, um, I didn't, I, I mean, like, they only gave it, like, a month theater-only release, so I figured at that point, it's like, let's just wait for it to be on Disney+. Plus. Like, no offense to the team that worked really hard on it, but it's like, right now, because as you all know, it is the start of 2022, and Miss Rona has dropped her next remix, so it's <laughs> like, I'm being really selective when I'm going out. 
no, that is totally, totally fair. Um, yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely understand that. I think that, again, right now, I feel, like, personally a little safer, only because I know I got actual, like, very, very, very direct contact um, and didn't get it. But also, that booster's going to die out sooner or later. And um, I, you know, I, we don't get political on this podcast, but also get your vaccine and wear your mask. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And so it's winter 2022. We back at it. We getting boosted. We get, we wearing our mask. You know how it is. But yeah, I've just been going to work and really just relaxing over this break. My classes literally start up again on Monday. So it's like, oh, we're back. Yeah, it's going to be wild, a wild ride for spring semester. Um, Yeah, I I can't believe, uh, I know we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, but we started this podcast in August of 2020 and we're officially in 2022 and in, you know, just over half a year, we'll be at the two-year mark, which is crazy. It's crazy, because I just started this, like, hey, want to do a podcast about DCOMs? And you're like, sure, and here we are, 32 movies later, we're in 2022, we're in year two of this, it's crazy, we are committed. We really are, it's insane. I'm it is. so excited for what the future holds, obviously, we are finishing up 2001, 2001 right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um and the 2002 DCOMs uh, look fantastic. I took a little sneak peek at the list on Wikipedia today. And I'm so excited to get into movies, as we were saying before we started recording. Uh, movies that we really recollect from our childhood. Uh, more, Much more than most of the ones that we've watched up until this point. Yes. Um, so, speaking of which, before we get into our main course, real quick... We're still in the no decom news slump, really. We're in a little weird spot where we're still waiting on Zombies 3 to get a release date. I'm assuming it's going to be some point this year because movie's done. They've right. been done filming for a while. I'm sure whatever post-production they need to do is almost done. So I assume that's coming out some point this year. And then we're also just waiting for any announcement on any upcoming new decoms, um, which they could announce that any day now. But right now we're just in this weird little lull of like, and Zombies 3 happening and what's coming next. But so that's our decom news for now. It's really not much. We're just waiting. Um, but now that that's out of the way, Kate, do you want to discuss our main topic, the poof? Yeah. So um, the poof point is. Sorry, you froze for a second. I'm mad. The poof point is not a movie that I was familiar with prior to recording for this. Um, I don't think I had seen even clips of it before, to be totally honest with you. Had you seen this movie before, Jake? Um, no, I had not. I really only knew about it when I looked over the list, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. We'll have, well, I mean, we'll discuss it at some point. So with that, Kate, do you want to know the background of this movie? I absolutely would love to, because I know it stars um, Taj, Taj, right? Maori? Yeah. Who's like Tia and... Tian Tamara's brother, which is interesting that he was in a couple of films prior to their, like, ascension to fame. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me get into this background. So The Poof Point is a 2001 Disney Channel original movie based on the children's novel of the same name 
by Ellen Weiss and M. Friedman. Friedman. Um, I didn't really get a chance to look into the book. I don't know how similar they are, but it's based on a book, like some of the other decoms we've watched already. Um, it originally premiered September 14, 2001. We're getting to the end of 2001, y'all. We're almost done. Which is absolutely crazy. I'm so excited again to move into 2002. Anyway. Yes. Um, so it was directed by Neil Israel, who we actually talked about before, Kate, because he actually directed one other decom before this, and it was our favorite, Hounded. He did, yeah. Which, interesting, because that was also um, Taj Mori. He was also the lead in that. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Taj Mori's a great actor, so good for him. Yeah. So he, that, these are the only two he did. Um, he also directed a few episodes of Even Stevens and Lizzie McGuire. And then he would eventually come back to do some Dog with a Blog. So, you know, you know, he was a little known in the Disney channel world um but yeah we got taj mori back as our protagonist this time his name is edison newton eddie ballard which we will learn very soon why he's named that um we got raquel lee as his sister marie curie ballard once again we'll learn exactly why they're named that eventually we got mark curry as norton ballard he's the father of the family and also he played the titular mr cooper in the abc sitcom hanging with mr cooper which was an old uh, 90s sitcom. I want to say it was like a TGIF, so it would air alongside like Step by Step and Full House and Sabrina the Teenage oh. Witch. But yeah. Did you say something? Oh, I just said cool. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you said more than that. But yeah, so he's in this. We have Dawn Lewis as Marigold Ballard. She is the mother of the family. And really, honestly, those are our four main characters. Everyone else in this um Movies kind of real secondary when you stop and look at the big picture. So those yeah. are our key players. So Kate, like you said, you had no history with this movie prior to seeing it for this. Yeah, absolutely none. And neither did I. So in that case, I guess I want to jump right into the main plot of this movie because this movie has a wild plot, honestly. It does. It does. I'm very curious to see, um, not to see, because I, I don't know if I'd ever, but I, I'm curious about how this potentially lined up with the uh, novel or like the children's book on which it was based. Um, yeah, well, I'd be really interested to read that. Into that. But anyway. Anyway, so our movie opens up very quickly with opening narration, our favorite from um Taj Mori uh Eddie himself and he basically says have you ever dreamt about what your parents were like when they were your age or do you think they were just born parents and I'm like okay so that's the story we're telling we're telling the story of how your parents were people before you came along which is a little weird to think about but yes because like all your life you've only known them as your parents you never knew what they were like when they were younger like right Obviously, we see pictures and stuff of them, but it's like we weren't there when they were young because we weren't born yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that's very interesting to think about. There's so many aspects of my parents' lives that I'm like, 
what what were they like? But also, I feel like that's just a very common question that people ask themselves at some point, because there is no way to definitively know, at least holistically. Yeah, like, they can tell you stories and stuff. But it's like, but how did it really happen? <laughs> right, exactly. I think it'll be a little different for our generation just because of technology. There'll be a lot more videos and even photos. Um, oh, definitely. Potentially to share, but anyway. Um, but anyway, so Eddie's telling us, you know, have you ever thought about who your parents were when they were your age? Well, me and my sister got to find out firsthand, and let me tell you, it was crazy. So we get a quick clip of near the, because basically Eddie's telling us this story after it happened. Like, all the events have happened already, and he's just retelling us the story. But yeah. we get a quick clip of it's eventually like almost the end of the movie, and we see Eddie and his sister Marie, and they're dealing with their parents, but for some reason, their parents are acting like literal babies. Yeah, which is very strange. Like, you see these two 40-year-old adults just literally acting like two-year-olds, and yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, of course, Eddie does the classic, okay, let me bring you back. So we rewind like, I want to say a, a day before, because it was literally only a day before. But anyway, we quickly meet the family, how they normally are. We got Eddie, we got Marie, we got their dad, Norton, and their mom, Marigold. And Kate, what's so interesting about Norton and Marigold? They are scientists who are inventors, um, very committed to their work. Um, although it's funny because... One thing I noted as we were as I went through this movie is it appears that they live in their hometown and that they were able to go through their entire education in the same universities and get the same at the same university and get all like all the same grants and stuff, which I thought was really cool, but very like unrealistic um, as someone who, you know, is trying to get a doctoral degree. Um but yes, they're very committed scientists. It sounds like they're they're tenure track faculty at some university, but they've been moved into a lab in their house because they're doing some secret government work to do with time travel. I don't know. Yeah, right off the bat, this movie does not mess around. They are trying to invent time travel. Yeah. Which is insane, but... Not as insane as this house. I almost how I would describe their house because it's also apparently their lab. I describe it as kind of smart house like because they have all this advanced technology in it. Like all the doors are like sliding doors, automatic. Um, we see the kids at um making breakfast, but what they do is like um the sister like she has for all we know for what it looks like it's just a bowl with nothing in it. But she puts it in what like looks like this microwave thing, but once it's done, she opens it and there's just cereal in the bowl. And then they use like yeah. this other contraption to pour milk. It it reminds me, did you you saw spy kids too, right? I believe so. Do you remember the machine they had where they literally like made McDonald's out of nothing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it reminded just... me of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is like that. Yeah, but pretty much their whole house has, like, all these crazy scientific gadgets that 
I assume the parents invented all over the place and it's crazy. But we also learn very quickly right off the bat that Norton and Marigold are just a little too invested in their work to the point where they're kind of neglecting their children. Yeah, they literally forget about their kid's eighth grade graduation, which is because they're so focused on their work. And then I know I'm jumping. I'm not going to jump around in the plot, but when they attend that graduation, eventually they're very disconnected and like on their laptops and stuff like super rude. So they're just um, very, very invested in their work. They're, They're in their lab at the start of the movie and. They, they walk out of their lab into, like, the living room where, where their children are, and they're completely oblivious of the fact that it's their graduation day. Literally, the children have to remind them that they are graduating middle school today, and it's like, oh, that's real awkward. And so they're reminded. Also, we learn that Eddie plays, is it guitar or bass? I think at the beginning of the movie, he's playing guitar, but then, like, it morphs into bass because but he's supposed to play, like, wants to play electric bass for this band. Yes, the Urban Slugs, which, um, yes. I first I'm like, is that just a term from 2001 that I don't remember? No, it's literally the name of a band, so, like, oh, okay. Like, he wants to be popular and be in this band when he gets into high school, but it's like, okay, well, it's weird. that. The, the side plots in this movie are really weird, honestly. Yeah, they're 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 a little bit strange at points. Um, also, I think you know the Urban Slugs is such a 2001 name for a band. Oh no, it totally is. But at the same time, I would totally probably listen to a band called the Urban Slugs in 2001. Honestly. Yeah, it's crazy. Also, we learn. Right off the bat, that apparently uh, Taj Mari Eddie is skipped a grade. That explains why they're both graduating eighth grade, despite him looking noticeably younger than the actor playing his sister. Yeah, she looks substantially older. I thought she was going to honestly be, when she said she was only in eighth grade, I was like, whoa, I thought she was going to be like a 16 year old, like sophomore in high school, but okay. No, she's an eighth grader. Um, but yeah, basically they are reminded that the graduation is later and they're like, all right, we won't miss it. So then um, we cut back down to the lab. We also learn that the family has a dog named Einstein. Um, also, because the parents are scientists, that's why they named their kids after famous scientists, you know, Marie, Cur- Mar- Marie Curie and uh, uh, Edward, was it Newton, I think? Yeah, Edward Newton. That's why their kids are named that and their dog's named Einstein. But Kate... What else do we learn when it comes to the dog? The dad really dislikes the dog for whatever reason. Like, well, like we do he, he, we find out later, but like the dad pretty much hate had like, like a like literal like arch rivalry with the dog. He hates it. He doesn't want to touch it. He doesn't want it anywhere near him. And I'm like, sir, he's a good. He's just a good boy. You don't need to be like this. And I, it made me wonder, too, like, why did they get a dog if he hates dogs so much? And it turns out the um, we found out later that the mom knew that he she he hated dogs like far before they got married. So, like, why they ended up getting a dog is like something I wondered throughout the whole movie. Like, how did they end up even getting this dog? It's never answered, but, you know. No, but the dog's about to play a big, important role in this plot because 
we learn that the test run for this time machine is that they are going to try and send two goldfish back to 1836. Is that what it is? I think so. It's whenever like they that. said it, Abraham. Like they said, yeah, they say Lincoln giving the Gettysburg Address. So whatever year that was, that's what they're trying to send these fish. But as they're powering on the machine and putting in all their math, science, mumbo jumbo, um, a part of the machine literally just falls right off. Yep. And the dog grabs it and makes kind of a toy out of it. Yes, but because they didn't see that happen, they don't know that there's now something wrong with the machine. So the two fish get blasted with lasers or whatever, but instead of disappearing, going back in time, they're still there. So the parents are like, that's weird. We'll have to check it out when we get back because it's time to go to graduation. They go and get ready but what we learn is that instead of being sent back in time, what's happening to these fish, Kate? They are getting younger. Yes, they are de-aging. And the computer even says a de-age to two months old. T minus how many hours until poof point, which we learn the poof point is basically when something de-ages so far back, it's no longer um, existing. It doesn't exist. Like it, it literally de-ages to the point where it wouldn't have even been in any form of existence yet. You know how they're right. like, oh yeah, you weren't even a thought yet back then. So it's like, yeah, it eventually goes to the point where, yeah, it's so young that it doesn't exist yet. So like, that's crazy. And the way they talk about it, it's like kind of like reverse. It's almost like reverse death, but like, I guess the, the ending is still death if you think about it. Yeah, or some form of non-existence. Whatever comes before life, I guess. I mean, listen, Pixar made a whole movie about that. <laughs> right, true, true, true. We could connect worlds. Uh, when they when they could. reach this point, they go to the place where the souls go before life. In the, I forget what it's called, but I love that movie. It's just called Soul. Yeah, Soul. So good. Yeah, yeah Pixar... And Disney, really. They love their one-word titles. <laughs> yes, truly. Uh, soul. Oh, Finding Nemo is two words, but yeah. Finding Nemo, but yeah. Brave, Tangled, Frozen. Yeah. It's like, yeah, for some reason at one point, movie titles just became one word. They, do, they have found a formula. They have. I mean, yeah, Encanto, Luca. Yeah, that's crazy. Huh, I've crazy. never noticed that before. Anyway. Oh, wait, no, wait, no. Ryan, the last dragon is not one word, but still. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they just couldn't find, I feel like they tried to do only two words tops, but with that particular film, they just couldn't find a really short title for it. That worked. I mean, they could have, they could have just called it Raya, but I don't think that would have worked. Also, I think Raya is also the name of a dating app. Yeah. I feel like you need to like, um, I think, yeah, I think it is. Isn't it that one for, like, only celebrities or elite people or whatever? Yeah, I think you um, need to, like, I think you need to, like, pay to be on it. And it's, like, for, like, people who are, like, influencer or, like, elite staffs or whatever. I just, I only know about it through this other podcast, which it's very not safe for work, but I'm going to shout out anyway. It's Why Won't You Date Me? It's Nicole Byer. She's just a really great comedian. And she talks about her experience on it, and she's like, yeah, it's like just a bunch of like people who think they're better than everyone else because they can pay to be on the app. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, a, if I remember correctly, too, because I remember the reason I know about it is it was in like a Demi Lovato documentary that I watched because she was on mm -hmm. it for a while. 
And it, um, I think you have to go through like a vetting process to get on it, like an application process in addition to just, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, enough about dating apps. Um, yeah. So these fish are being de-aged to the point where they will no longer exist, but the parents don't see that because the parents are going to get ready for graduation. And while they're getting ready for graduation, Marie has to quiz her parents on what her friends look like and what their names are. Yeah, and I'm like, real involved parents there. All right. I mean, granted, I feel like it took a few times for my parents to learn my friend's name. But even then, it's like, they, they know, they'll know it eventually. Like, they know yeah. who you are. But it's like, because we've right. been friends for so long. But at the start, they're like, who? <laughs> right. But yeah, it seems like it's like that with, like, all of their friends. Like, every single one. Like, they just don't know who their kids are friends with at all. Yeah. Yeah, and then she also says, but this girl, Chloe, she's not my friend. She's my mortal enemy. And I'm like, you're an eighth grade girl. Yeah, calm down. Calm down. But, um, yeah, so they get ready, and now they're in the car. And Eddie's basically telling his parents, okay, so when you're there and you're mingling with the other parents, talk about anything besides science. Talk about the stock market for all I care. Just don't talk science. Right. Yeah. Uh, the... The parents do seem, they're, they're so invested in their work that they just can't comprehend that other people might not be interested in their work. Yeah, they're like, but, you know, science. And he's like, yeah, but not everyone knows science terms. So just talk about anything else. And then also, this is a weird beat, but the dad says something and Eddie responds with cool. And the dad goes on like this two minute tirade about how much he hates the word cool. Yeah, like, there's so many, it's it's too versatile, and it's like, I don't like this, uh, yeah, it's stupid. It's weird, it's just to show, like, you know, the parents are so intellectual that they don't understand, they don't mix well with anyone else, not even their own kids, and this is our first point of Eddie being like, uh, like, my parents are so weird, and they just don't get it, and it's like, okay. So then we go to the graduation, and Eddie and Marie get their diplomas. And what happens when they look out to the audience to try and find the parents? Their mom and dad are, like, on their... One's on a laptop and one's on, like... I don't know if it's, like, a it's an embryonic tablet or something. I don't know. But it's... Uh, um, they're preoccupied by their work. Literally. They, they brought their work with them to the point where they're not even... They didn't even see their kids get their diplomas and walk across the stage, and they're just really defeated by this. It really stinks. But then we cut to after the graduation ceremony, and everyone's mingling and having fun, and Marie's with her friends, and it's great and everything. And then these two suburbanites, I was I was going to be like, these two white Caucasian people will come up, and we learn that they are um, their neighbors, and I think, are their names like... Something like Chick and Corky or something. They're they're like yeah they're very strange. The names are very strange. Does it say say them on the Wikipedia page? It probably does, but I didn't look because they're not major players, but they're there. But they're basically your what if you what you think of when you think of suburbanites like they are that like the mom's clearly the a PTA mom and everything, and they try and mingle with um norton and marigold and it doesn't really work out too well because they don't know how social interaction works they just want to talk about 
science. And at one point, Norton decides now's the perfect time for a scientific demonstration. And I don't remember what exactly he tries to do, but it's something with like reflecting light or something. But it doesn't go well. And what ends up happening? He ends up catching the principal's cap on fire. And like, it's literally on fire. The fire is burning, and the principal doesn't realize it at first. No. So, like, uh, somehow he's just standing there, and everyone's like, oh, and that just, like, cuts to the next scene. Yeah, we don't see how that ends. He could literally have gotten third-degree burns for all we know. Yeah, which in real life, I'm pretty sure he would have. And he would have noticed yeah. it a lot sooner. Yeah, but, like, obviously the kids are basically mortified that their dad lit the principal on fire and they basically are like, you embarrassed us in front of our friends, the thing we told you not to do. And the parents are kind of oblivious because they're like, I think that went well. Yeah, I think so too. So the parents um, are just like, this went well. And the kids are like, oh my God, you guys are so oblivious. So eventually um, the parents go back down to the lab and they notice the fish are missing because while they were gone, the fish reached the poof point. They're gone. They are out of here. But they don't know that. So they're like, huh, that's weird. We'll just have to run the machine again. And they get out another tank of two fish, which apparently they have multiple of. Yeah, just chilling, just waiting for an experiment. It's like, mm, you know how we feel about animal testing on this podcast, everyone. Right. Like, um, okay then. So, um, Marigold sets the new tank of fish in the machine, but then she doesn't get behind the safety barrier where her husband is before he fires up the machine. Yeah. So she's kind of in this place where she ends up getting zapped by the machine instead of the goldfish. Yes. And and the... Oh, go on. Okay, yeah, and then in the weirdest response ever, instead of just going in and pulling her out, uh, Norton goes into the area as well, and he just grabs her and, like, tries to shield her, and he ends up also getting hit with the ray, and we hear the machine go, two subjects acquired, homo sapiens, age 40, beginning de-aging process, so this is the inciting incident, this is what's going to drive the plot forward, because now that they've been hit, they are also going to start to de-age to the point where they will hit the poof point. But before all that, while that's all happening, the kids are hearing this upstairs, and they're like, what's happening? We better go investigate. So they go down there just as the machine's powering down, and they're like, what was that? That was a crazy explosion. And immediately their parents are talking different, and they don't recognize who they are. Yeah, so there's a red flag right there. And it turns out that the machine has actually sent them back to when they were 21. Um, And we find out that they got married young and they have been married for about six months in their minds. Um, And they're like super lovey-dovey with each other. And I think one of the first clues uh, to Eddie's character that his dad has... um, there's something wrong is that he uses the word cool, which he went on this tirade before about like how much he hates this word. Um, so like they're still very smart, um, but they definitely seem a lot more relatable, a lot more socially adept. 
um, and definitely like more in love with each other. Yeah. So they have. Uh, well, okay. Well, we'll get into this now because mentally now they think it's what the seventies and they're twenty one. Yeah. Or wait, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think the seventies. You know that would. Would that meant well because if we're taking it to be set in modern day in modern day two thousand one. Yeah, I think she said. I think she said that her mom would have been twenty one in like. 19, although he, oh, they asked who's president, and it was Ronald Reagan, and he wasn't president until 1981. So, oh, well, once they get younger again, because they do get younger again, they think it's the 70s, but right now they think it's the 80s, yeah, and that Ronald Reagan's president. Yeah. Yes, okay, <laughs> that would make sense. The 80s. God, this movie's making us do math. Yes. Uh, disclaimer: uh, Jake is an art student. I am in the humanities. Math is not our thing. We are not, yeah, no, we are not building time machines, <laughs> unfortunately. But, um, um, uh, but that said, yeah, that right now they think that we're somewhere in the 80s because they do say that they think Ronald Reagan's the president. Yeah, and at first the kids are like, why are you being so weird? It's like, don't you know us? We're your kids. And at first they think, um, Norton and Marigold think they're being set up by Marigold's mom who really apparently wanted them to have kids. And I'm like, so that's why they have kids. It was the mom who wanted, she wanted the grandbabies. Right. Um, they felt the pressure. Yeah. Um, but eventually um, they bring them upstairs. And this is when the wildest part happens. They're like, they show them a photo album. And they're like, that's you and us on vacation last month. Don't you remember? And they're like, why do we look so old? And you're like, and the kids are like, what What do you think you look like right now? And they're like, not old. And then they look into a mirror. And this is the wildest part of the movie. To themselves in the mirror, they look like they are 21. Right. But, like, to anyone else, they look just their normal age. Um, and this was, and we were talking about this before the podcast, but um, for me, this was my biggest problem with the movie. I think that keeping the same adult, roughly 40-year-old actors allowed the actors to show their versatility, and they did really well with um, with that. I thought the screenplay in and of itself was really, um, appeared to be really well-written and really good, but the one choice that I just, I just did not personally stand behind, and I think that they could have done better with and I don't know whose choice this was um and again this is just my personal opinion um was I would have liked to see different actors for the different ages like actually turning them into physical as well as mental 21 year olds and then teenagers and so on because they continue to de-age which now that you say that you know this reminds me of a very similar movie and that being 17 again yeah you remember that movie with um, yes. Zac Efron and Matthew Perry? Yes. Like that. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, and that's he actually because it's Matthew Perry at the beginning, but then when he gets turned younger, he becomes Zac Efron. So it's almost like that's what they should have done, but yes. like for some reason they just didn't. I, maybe it's just because obviously that was like a in theaters movie, so it had a bigger budget. 
I don't know, maybe it's because this was a made-for-TV movie, they couldn't afford that many actors, but still, it's like, just the creative decision to keep it the same actors throughout this whole de-aging process was so weird. Yes, again, I thought the actors themselves did a really good job, the screenplay seems well-written, the the story is good that it's based on, um, or at least I assume, I haven't read the original, but the story itself I really like, it's just this decision, um, Again, to me, and I know to you, Jake, too, it seems to, we personally think that it makes the movie worse, but. Yeah, if like, if anything, this is our biggest gripe with the movie. Yeah, 100%. So. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so just now going forward, despite them de-aging multiple times in this movie, it's the same yeah. 40-year-old actors for both parents. Yeah, so, like, they mentally de-age, but they don't physically de-age. But they think they physically de-aged because they see themselves differently than everyone else, which is very weird to explain. Yeah. Eventually, the kids get the parents back down to the lab, and the parents, first of all, are, like, super impressed with the time machine. They're like, dang, we wanted to build something like this, but we aren't, don't have the technology for it quite yet. And then they turn around and see the modern 2001 computers and they're like, oh my God, this is exactly what we need to build something like this. Yeah, which was a little bit of a funny moment given like right now I'm recording on my laptop that is way, way better than what they had in 2001. Although I'm sure in another like 20 years or so it will be pretty obsolete. Yeah, right. But eventually the kids get the parents to realize something's wrong with this machine it didn't do what it was supposed to and for some reason now you are acting younger than normal and i believe this is when they realize they are on a ticking clock now yeah so the parent the parents are obviously still scientists and so they get them to work on it and as they're making dinner like you said with the aforementioned like weird technology where they could just make like a salad appear out of nowhere and whatever um the parents are working on it and they find out that what has happened and then when they all sit down at dinner they're like uh yeah so um in about 16 hours it's possible that we'll just disappear yeah they will reach the poop point to the point where they will be so the age to be so young that once again you know they DA to the point before they are in existence. So we're on a real ticking clock in this movie. We got like 16 hours to figure out the problem with the machine so that way the parents don't just disappear forever. Right. And also, this is my second gripe with the movie. At first, they think the problem is that they did the math wrong. They don't think that it's the machine itself at fault somehow. Right. Like, why don't you just quickly check over the machine for obvious stuff? But, you know. No, they don't until after they've gone through all the math again. And while this is happening, they're staying up all night to work on it. And at some point, they ask the kids, don't you want to go to bed? And they're like, no, you're our parents. We want to see you figure this out. And the mom has this little comment where she goes, look, oh, Norton, our kids want to see us live. It's like, yeah, I guess even though you are shown to be pretty uninvolved in their lives, they still do care about you. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting, um, an interesting little comment about how, how, I mean, it was maybe potentially a little bit sarcastic, but, you know, how 
even even when even when relationships aren't the greatest, people can still care about each other, you know. Yeah, definitely. So then at this point we have 10 hours left. I think it's officially the next day and um we learn the parents I believe have figured out what they think the problem is cuz they've done the math and everything and they're like, "All right, kids, great news. We know what the problem is." We figured out the math. And the problem is, but before they can say what it is, uh-oh, what happens? They end up de-aging again, and this time to age 14, about the same age as their kids. Yeah, so now they think they're back in middle school, and we learned they even went to middle school together, which is yeah, wild. They, like, had crushes on each other way back then. Although I think actually it might have been ninth grade because I think I, they made a comment about ninth grade, but still. Oh, regardless. yeah. Yeah, we learned that apparently something happened at that year's science fair and now they're fighting with each other because, uh, let me just sigh, because it's the classic, oh, they don't like each, they hate each other, which means they actually have romantic feelings for each other trope. Yeah, which is which, problematic, but... You know, like, I, I hate that trope with a burning passion so I, much. Yeah, like, it. and I, not off to a tangent, but I'm let me do this real quick because listen, guys, it's our podcast, we can do this. I think I especially really hate that one because it can go to a really extreme length, especially. Um, I remember and I wasn't an active watcher of Glee, but I remember they did the old um trope of the person bullying the gay kid because they are secretly gay themselves and i feel like that's an extension of this trope which i hate so much because it's such a it's such a negative and almost toxic stereotype where it's like yeah anyone who has like like a raging homophobic or is really mean to like a gay kid or something it's just because they're in the closet themselves and it's like that's not always the case sometimes people are just bigoted like that like i really hate that trope it's so bad and i'm like whenever i see it happen i'm like can you not yeah, I I definitely agree. It is really problematic. Um, I get what they were like trying to do, and that the mom, um, you know, talks about when the kids are on their way to the like eighth grade graduation ceremony about how at her age she wasn't concerned, or when she was her daughter's age she wasn't concerned with boys at all, and yada yada, to like prove that actually she was, uh, you know. But, yeah, I, I didn't really, I also didn't really like the, oh, they, like, have this feud, so they much must actually like each other trope. Um, I think it was, um, they still use it, obviously. I do think it was a lot more popular at that time, like 20 years ago, um, and um, probably more appropriate to use them. But, again, that doesn't make it any less wrong, you know, Yeah. that makes yeah yeah so like we had to deal with that for a little bit um at this point now that they're 14 and they're fighting with each other they split off with the two kids and um eddie and norton are now in his room and this is when we learn apparently norton knows how to play the electric guitar which eddie never knew yeah like and he's good at it too Mm -hmm. which is like i know most people Yes, their interests change after their teenage years, but when you're that good at playing an instrument, you usually still play it occasionally. Yeah, definitely. Like, enough that your kids would know that you 
play it. Yeah, but no, um, Eddie has learned something new about his father. Meanwhile, um, sorry, excuse me. Um, meanwhile, Marigold is now wearing some of Marie's clothing, and they basically have girl talk where they're talking about, you know, Marigold and Norton, and she's like, well, he's just scared of my intellect because I'm a woman, and, you know, he doesn't want to be made to feel inferior to me and everything. And it's this this whole conversation of just, you know, well, you know, shouldn't scare him. You know, you're a smart woman. You should use that. And it's a whole thing. Um, eventually, though, they get, I believe, no, at some point, no, 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 hold on. Don't go back to the lab just yet. Because, because, as Norton is playing away on the electric guitar, one of the guys from the band is strolling by to see Eddie to talk about his auditioning for the band. And he said Eddie, who's like doing really good on the guitar or whatever, he's like, you're doing really great, dude. Um, How about this? I'll bring the guys over around at three and you can do your audition then. And okay, okay, everyone. Here's another gripe I have with this movie, honestly. Eddie really, 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 at some point, almost feels like this audition is more important than saving their parents. I got that, too. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I get what they were trying to do and create a subplot and showing that Eddie has, like, his own life going on and yada yada. Um, But, like, that being said, I kept thinking this whole time, you know, even as a teenager where things can feel a lot bigger of a deal than they are. Um, for example, Jake and I were, you know, um, Jake, we were both theater kids and we had auditions for things pretty often. Um, and, you know, uh, we're always worried about, are we going to get in the cast? Are we going to get cut? Um, and, you know, if we do get in, what's our role, which isn't, you know, the same as a band audition, but, you know, similar enough. And I know for a fact, if my parents were at risk of disappearing forever, I would not be worried about my audition for anything. Mm-mm. No, I would be hyper-focused on saving my parents. But as the movie goes on, we will learn Eddie's kind of a little wishy-washy on it. Yeah, he's like, eh, I want to save my parents, but I also want to get into this band. And it's like, dude. Anyway, and at first he's like, um, I'm not sure if that'll be good. But the guy's like, no, it'll be fine. We'll be over at three. Okay, bye. And he's like, okay. And then Marie and Marigold come up. And Marie's like, what are you doing, dude? We need to get these guys back down to the lab so we can try and figure out how to save them. He's like, well, yeah, but also now I got my... Uh, Urban Slugs audition at three, and she's like, dude, that is so not important right now. And as they're bickering, um, Norton and Marigold literally sneak out of the house. Yeah, and they somehow have a tandem bicycle, um, and they are going around town because, again, this is where it's revealed that they're in their hometown, which, again, to me is like... um, I mean, I guess they could have moved away and, and, and came back. I mean, I guess that's a little bit more possible. The movie made it to me feel like they just stayed there their whole lives, which unless they stayed in a huge, were living in a huge university town, I'm like, as academics, you getting through to your PhD, like, feels unrealistic, but okay. But I guess it's possible they moved away and came back. Anyway, 
Um, so they're in their hometown and they're going around town and they realize that a lot of things have changed and then they kind of freak out, but then they end up getting in a fight. Yeah, because originally the plan is they're trying to go back to their own childhood homes. Also, we learn apparently uh, Norton's childhood home was torn down and made into a park, which I just mean that I assume that his parents moved somewhere else then. Right. Yeah, because they're like, whoa, 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 where's my house? Why is there a park here? That's not right. And then they get into this fight, and then Marigold runs off on her own, and Norton bikes off on his own. Also, is this where we see the quick shot of the tree that they apparently carved their names into? Yes, yeah. They had, And they were married at that point, because it says, like, um, their last name after their names. So... Yeah, it shows a big heart around their names and a tree in that park. Also, I so. just want to say, is that a thing anyone's ever done? Have people actually, like, carved their initials into a tree like that? Because I've, okay. I've never seen that. Okay, so I low-key... Okay, you just unlocked a memory for me that is super, super vague. But I have this super <laughs> vague memory of I never carved anything. But there were these trees in my on on the property I grew up in and like one of them was super easy to climb like it just had branches really close to the ground so it was really easy to climb it and I never climbed like super high because you know I was afraid of falling to my death but I I would climb up like 10-15 feet and then right my this is so embarrassing I have these this vague recollection where I'm pretty sure I grabbed like sharpies and did that with my crush's initials. Oh, my God. But, like, I never, like, carved anything. But, yeah, but I'm still like, it. It's like, if, it, if I put it on the tree, it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. It, shout out to me. That did not happen. I've literally only been in one proper relationship, which is my current one. So, that did not happen. All of those crushes were uh, futile. But, you know. I, I was trying to manifest it. You were working on your manifestation. I was. I, I apparently, my manifestation skills apparently suck, though. So that's fine. Yeah. Um. So anyway, now um, Eddie and Marie are trying to find their parents. And Marie ends up going over to their neighbor's house. This is the ones that we met back at the school. And we learn very quickly, apparently, nobody in the neighborhood likes the family. Or at least the parents. And I honestly, I kind of see why, because apparently their experiments have destroyed a ton of people's stuff. Um, yeah, like actual property damage has happened as a result, and it's like, okay, all right. And so honestly, even though that that family is kind of made out to be the bad guys, I kind of see why the parents are ticked, or the um that family, um or the, yeah, they have a daughter who is kind of a minor role, but um, I can see why they're ticked off. Yeah, and, but then they straight up tell Marie, yeah, we're calling the city and we want your whole family evicted. Which seems like a way too major step to take before talking to them. Not to mention you're literally telling this to, like, a minor. Yeah. It's so. Like, uh, what? <laughs> that seemed bizarre and weird and, yeah. Was, but um, was, at the same time. It doesn't seem realistic, not really, but actually the more I think about it, I'm pretty sure I've met some people that would do that. I mean... My life. I mean, at one point I do call them 
I'm a family care on, so. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, anyway, so Marie now knows that knowledge, and she's off to try and find her parents again. Meanwhile, Eddie finds Norton just around town, and Norton is like, oh, hey, Eddie, and Eddie's like, where's Marigold? And he's like, I don't know, we had a fight, and she stormed off. And he's just like, I don't know, girls are weird. Hey, cool bike, and he just starts doing bike tricks, and it's like, what? Yeah. He, like, hops the curb and then, like, is able to, ju- like, jump the bike onto a bench. And Eddie's, like, thinking, like, whoa, my dad's so cool, whatever. But then it flashes to um, leaning against a jukebox, feeling all, like, all up in her feelings um, about her, who, you know, um, about fight and drinking milkshake i think it was a milkshake and what happens well as she's basically doing the 2001 version of listening to an adele album um yeah um marie's two friends that we met earlier but also her arch nemesis see this happen and yeah, and Chloe, her, I believe, Chloe, yeah, her arch nemesis, decides to go and talk to um, her. And she's like, hey, Mrs. Wow, we are, we really forgot the last name, didn't we? Um, ba- Ballard, Mrs. Ballard. She's like, what's up? You seem upset. And Marigold basically does the thing where she's like, well, you see, I have this friend and she's having relationship problems. Also, she says her friend's name starts with an M. And Chloe immediately takes us to think this means Marie, because she's her arch nemesis. Of course, she's going to try and use anything she can to get at her, I guess. And she goes, she's basically having this, she's having boy troubles. You know, she really likes this guy, but he's pretty oblivious, blah, blah, blah. So it gets to the point where apparently Marigold tells Chloe that um, enough information where she thinks that she, uh, Marie likes the, um, one of the guys in the band. She also tells them that the band's going to be at their house at three for Eddie's audition. So Chloe takes this as initiative to say that the ballots are having a huge party at their house. Yeah, which. Dude, I don't know. I, I had I had I had someone who I would have considered a nemesis in middle school, but I will I can tell you right now she would have never gone to those lengths. No, but also, do we ever see her at the party? Barely. It's like she just but pops also, in to create a little bit of trouble and then is gone. But, like, what's her plan here? Because, like, she's literally saying everyone, there's going to be a party at Marie's house. Wouldn't that, like, boost her popularity? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's just kind of, like, a plot point that's never fully explained. Yeah, but anyway, um, we're back at the house, and uh, Eddie's back with Norton, and Marie is there, and then Marigold just walks to the front door, and she's like, okay, I'm back, and they're like, great, now we need you two to get back down to the lab and figure out the problem with the machine. So they do that, but as they're going down and working on it, they hear a knock at the door. So Eddie goes out to answer it, because he's like, all right, the guys, they're here for the audition. But then he opens the door, and... Basically, the whole neighborhood is there. Yeah. It's, like, a ton of kids. I think it's said at one point there's, like, 130 kids. And um, 
Eddie is like, what the heck? And then the kid, I got, I forget his name, but the kid that's like auditioning him for the band is like, yeah, so I didn't invite all these people, but they're here and it's cool. So, you know, whatever, we'll sit up for the party. Yeah, everyone basically invites themselves in and it's like, dude, what the hell? And so Marie comes up and she's like, uh, heck no. Um, and the guy starts flirting with her because um, it was uh, Chloe said had told somebody that he like she liked him or whatever. Turns out she actually does. But like it, it was also just a lucky guess because things got lost in communication and that conversation between Chloe and Mrs. Ballard. But yeah. Anyway, so basically now there's just a giant party happening at the Ballard house and Marie's not really about it. But Eddie, once again, is like, awesome. This is going to make my audition even better. And Marie, once again, is just like, dude, our parents are literally going to die in like seven hours. What are you doing? He's like, what? It's fine. We'll be fine. They're working on it in the basement. And then meanwhile, the neighbors are like. Oh, the minute I tell her we're thinking about evicting them, they go and throw a huge party. It's like, I can't believe them. I'm calling the police. And then they're also like, our daughter would never be at such a party. And then it cuts to their daughter, like, sneaking out to go to the party. Which is like, well, because they're literally next door neighbors. Like, they should have seen her going in. Yeah, but whatever. So she, she sneaks over to the party. Um, her and Marie are friends, but obviously there's some tension between their parents. So mm-hmm. she sneaks over to the party and she has this little run in with Marie where she's like, I'm so, so uh, sick of having to be perfect all the time. And yeah, it's it's a weird little subplot because she's basically like my parents. They're always, they never let anyone come over because they're worried about their perfect lawn and their perfect cutlery and their perfect daughter and it's like and your mom's literally letting you throw this huge party and marie's just like girl i literally did not want this to happen i do not care about this party i have bigger things going on but like you enjoy yourself i guess yeah pretty much and so the parents actually end up somehow like don't they think they figured out the problem again Yes, but this time they realize there's a part missing. Whoa! Whoa! So they gather the kids and they're like, here's the thing. We're missing this part. It's like the molecular something or other, I don't know, science term. Yeah. Like, we gotta find it. And they're like, how are we supposed to find it when there's a giant party going up in our upstairs? Like, well, we're just gonna have to do it. Um, So they keep the parents downstairs to keep working on the machine and they go up to try and like control the party and also find the thing. But then Eddie basically has this audition where he performs with the band and I guess it goes good or whatever. Cause they're like, sweet, awesome. But then, uh Oh, what's happening, Kate? So right as the parents are actually saying, you know, they've said that it's like a missing part or whatever, but beyond that, they get cut off because if I remember correctly, because they poof again. And what age are they now? They are now seven. They are now seven. They come upstairs riding on razor scooters. They want to be at the party with the big kids. And Marie and Eddie are like, oh, no. Yeah. So 
they are like you know all all the kids at the party are like looking at them funny because of course they're seven-year-olds and 40-year-old bodies riding around on razor scooters in the middle of the house and they're being real like they're really rude seven-year-olds too like eddie and marie try to con- uh, get them under control it's very difficult for them eventually they get them into like a private area of the house and they're like we're your babysitters and we're gonna tell your parents if if you do something bad and they like end up threatening to take away tv and stuff but then what gets them is they end up threatening to take away reading and then you know after not really caring about the threatening of over the tv and stuff the parents are like what but we love reading yeah because i guess the implication is that they're basically child prodigies. right it's like what are the odds of two basically child prodigies being born in the same exact town and then finding each other and getting married. Very low. Yeah. But then, as they're getting them under control, there's another problem. Because they brought up this energy ball they invented a while ago upstairs. But at 14 years old, they weren't sure. They didn't remember what it did. Apparently, what it does is it turns into a weird CGI effect. And it basically just starts flying around the house. Yeah. So, it ends up flying around the house. And then... Eddie has to, like, swat it with a tennis racket and kill it. But not before it basically, like, not attacks, but, like, interacts with this one white child who, for some reason, has braids. Yeah. Yeah. Problematic. (laughs) At the minute I saw that guy, I was like, oh, this is 2001, all right. Yep. 2001. It was... Yeah. It was a different time, but at the same time now, it's like, oh, no. Yeah, like, let's let's not do that uh, cultural appro- appropriation. Let's not. But yeah, eventually, um, Eddie smacks it with a racket, and uh, Marie gets the parents back downstairs. But then, the neighbors show up, oh, no, and they actually have the cops with them. And at first they tell the cops to arrest everyone there, but it's like, technically they're not doing anything illegal. And that's when their daughter appears and is like that. He's like, Mom, Dad, there's nothing illegal going on here. We're literally just throwing a party, the thing you would never do. Yeah, and kind of like roasts her parents for being super strict in front of everybody. Um, so what ends up happening is they just tell everyone to disperse. So the party's basically over. So that whole subplot basically led to nothing. I guess Eddie's in the band now, but we don't really get a follow up on that. We also get, we also don't get a follow up on Marie and the boy she likes or Marie and Chloe. There's just a lot of drop plot lines by the end. Yeah. So, um, then the parents de-age again into toddlers. They are now, what four? Yeah, they're four, four now. Yeah. yeah, they're four now. So now they basically had to make it into a game of let's find this thing. So everyone starts running around the house now that it's empty to try and find it. But of course the dog still has it, and every time they leave a room, he comes in with it in his mouth. So they're basically always missing him. Right. And but- so they cannot find him, they can't find it. And then they de-age again very shortly later into two-year-olds. And this is where I'm like, this is where they should have gotten different actors. Because these 
grown adults are like covering themselves in spaghetti and baby flour, baby powder, and it's really weird. And um, and eventually, is it is it Eddie who finds the part? No. Or... No, what ends up happening? Firstly, Marie, who's apparently actually been good at math this whole time, realizes there is actually is a problem with the math. And it's because oh, yeah. every time they've started the machine, they've been using the weight of the two goldfish and not their parents. Yes, so, I do for that. So she has to redo the math real quick. And while she's doing that, Eddie has to get their parents wrangled into the machine. But um, eventually he gets them down there while she's finishing the math. And that's when the parents see um, the dog with the part in his mouth. And because... um. What we learned is that the reason the dad hates dogs so much is because in his undergrad, a dog basically ate his thesis paper. Yeah, which, like, okay. So, but um, at this point, the dad likes dogs. So he's like, doggy, and sees the part. And then Marie comes up and, like, wants to grab it from him. And the kids are so scared they're going to break it. But the dad ends up throwing it and... Um, Eddie leaps for it, but so does um, Einstein the dog, and the dog ends up catching it. So. But then he gives it right to Eddie because you know it was also yeah. this funny moment where when the dad, as a two-year-old, goes over to Einstein, he's like, "All his life, all Einstein wanted was to play with dad, and he finally got his wish." Yes, yeah, seriously. And it, and then so they try to get him, uh, the parents into the time machine, but right before they do. The dad is like, I gotta go potty or something like that. And they literally have like two minutes before poop point. Honestly, I'm like, if I was in this situation, I would literally let my dad pee himself. I was gonna say, yeah, like, like we do not have, especially because he's a two year old and he's not potty trained at this point. Yeah, it's just not worth It's who cares? Like, honestly, the way I think of it, it's like, who cares if there's urine everywhere if you you save your parents from doom? Like, come on, man. Like, Get your priorities together. Like, just let him soil himself. He can clean himself up when he's an adult again. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. But, no, they have him go to the bathroom. And he does. By the time he gets out, there's like 30 seconds left on the clock. They get him in the machine and they fire that baby up. And yep. it's literally the last possible second they save their parents. And then the parents are, like, 40 years old again. And they they have, like, these vague recollections of what happened. And like, they know they de-aged, but they don't remember exactly what happened during the de-aging. Yeah, it sounds like they, like, remember it kind of like you remember, like, a vivid dream. Um, but also the parents aren't as appreciated of their children as they should be. Yeah, they really aren't. They're like, oh, hey, good job, I guess. And they're not like, oh, my God, thank you. We were literally about to die. Yeah. So um, they're not that appreciative of their children, but they do. The dad likes Einstein now, and he, he pets the dog. And then the, it ends on the note of they all do more stuff together as a family now, more normal stuff like cooking and playing guitar and all that fun stuff. But also, they go on trips a lot more. Like, for instance, um, Eddie informs us they just got back from 19, oh God, 60-something, and he got to play guitar with 
Bob Marley. So apparently the family can just actively time travel now. Which, I'm not going to lie, I would be pretty scared. Like, I've always thought found time travel incredibly fascinating. But I'd be pretty scared to use that machine after what, what occurred. Yeah, like, I know they quote-unquote fixed it, but, like, what's stopping that part from falling out again? Right, exactly. Like, y'all better have super glued that thing back in. But also, time travel is also scary, because, like, it's the whole butterfly effect, where it's, like, some, you could literally move a pebble in the past, and suddenly the future is drastically different. Time travel is a very terrifying concept, if you really think about it. And they're yeah. just using it to, you know, go on family trips, I guess. I also wondered, um, in, like, the... If if the parents had hit the poop point, if they like had never existed, does that affect the kids or not really? It just independent. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like if they never existed, doesn't that mean their kids never existed then? Right. But, but they never they don't they don't get into that whole like that whole issue. Either. So right. like and parents are saying we're good. And yeah, so now they just do stuff together as a family, including time travel. And that's the end of the movie. So, Jake, what were your thoughts? My thoughts were, this was a weird movie, but it was also really short. It's only, like, what, an hour and 20 minutes? Yeah, it's less than an hour and a half. But, like, even then, at points, I was just like, what do you mean there's still 30 minutes left of this film? What else can still happen? Like, like I kind of like the idea of it, especially because, like, it's this whole idea of parents de-aging totally works, because... Uh, like I said, C-17 again, that movie is pretty good. But, like, just the creative choice of keeping it the same actors throughout the whole experience is just so weird, especially with two-year-olds and they're covering themselves in spaghetti and stuff. It's like, dude, you're a 40-year-old actor. You should not be doing this. Yeah. Um, But really, other than that, like, it's not, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, like, DCOM or otherwise. But at the same time, it's like... I was actively checking how much time was left by the end. So, yeah. in conclusion, I think I'm going to just give this movie, like, a six. It's not, like, one of my favorites, but it's also... And I think this is going to become a saying for us. It's not Can of Worms. Fair enough. Yeah, Can of Worms was something else, man. I To each their own, but that is a weird, weird movie. Um, that said, I did like this one a little more than you. I did find it relatively entertaining. Um, there were a couple times where I found myself a little bit checked out, but overall, um, I thought it was, like, relatively solid. That being said, there were some, you know, I don't know if I want to say plot holes, but just plot points that were not filled in. Um, again, I think that was kind of a length thing, um, and just how short it was. Um, a little bit of problematic stuff sprinkled in there and also and to me the the biggest thing is just again I well again I liked the movie more than you I just did not I cannot stand behind that choice of using the 40 year old actors again shout out to the actors they were very versatile um, in their roles and they did very very well um, but that being said, I just it, it, I think it's a creative choice that would have gone better um, and fared a lot better had they actually changed ages and not just mentally shifted. Um, so I'm going to give it a seven and a half. That's fair enough. But anyway, now that we're done with the proof point, Kate, 
this is one of this next one is gonna be real exciting. And you wanna know why? Why? It's because next episode we will finally be covering Halloween Town 2 Calabar's Revenge. Finally! I thought it was like two movies ago and I like messed up the order. So I'm super excited. No, we will be covering our next our third D- DCOM sequel this year, actually. Dang, there was three this year. That's crazy. <laughs> but yes, we will be covering Halloween Town 2, which I honestly feel like I saw more than the original one growing up. But, like, of the franchise, I think I watched Halloween Town High the most, but that's not quite yet. But yes, so join us for Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, um, next episode. But for now, Kate, since we're at the end of our episode, where can our lovely listeners find you on social media? You can find me at kvrandom on Instagram or katevrandom, yeah, on Twitter. I'm just whew, out of sorts. How about you, Jake? Where can our listeners find you? Well, our listeners can find me on Twitter at JakeBlue98. You can find me on Instagram at JakeBlueArt. Hopefully with classes starting up again, I'll start using that again more. I haven't really used it in a while just because... Yeah, some of your art. I know. I need to. I literally just keep forgetting to, but I, I will, especially with classes starting up again. I got to do that. But yeah, um, it's uh, JakeBlue98 on Twitter and JakeBlueArt on Instagram. Um, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at T-S-O-S-N podcast. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do so at something new pod where you can also feel free to send us a DM or anything, you know, chat about DCOMs. That'd be fun. Um, we also got an email. If you want to email us stuff too, that's um, sorry. Second, it's been a minute since I did that. Our email is start of something new podcast at gmail.com. And lastly, this podcast is distributed on anchor which is a podcasting app that allows you to create and record podcasts like the very one you're listening to right now. Um, And if you're on Anchor, you can also leave a voice message, which if you do, listen to it on the show. And also, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and review, which we will also read live on the show. But I think that'll do it for this episode. So we will see you guys next time to talk about Halloween Town 2. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye. Happy New Year.